0: Welcome back to the Live Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Mo Banks, and this is a project that is brought to you by the Andrew Goodman Foundation. Before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to let listeners know that we do discuss a couple of heavy topics on today's episode. In particular, I just wanted to give a content warning that we do discuss the recent shooting in Monterey Bay, California, and the impacts that it had on the AAPI community. We also discuss some of the hateful legislation that's being passed targeting LGBTQ youth and individuals. So if you're not in a place where you want to hear those things discussed, or you need to maybe take some extra care of yourself, please do so and come back to this episode at a different time. Otherwise, we are happy to have you here, and without further ado, I'm going to jump into this incredible interview with Josh Dinaros.
1: Well, hello, my name is Joshua De Neros. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, I am currently a senior at the University of San Francisco. I'm super excited to graduate this December in 2023. Uh, I'm currently a politics major with minors in advertising and Philippine studies. Uh, I grew up in Southern California and moved up to the Bay Area uh, a few years ago, so I'm very excited to be here.
0: How exciting. You're so close to graduating. I remember that feeling and just like couldn't <laughs> just start the next phase. Are you feeling that? Or are you feeling like a little bit of sadness to you that something might be over?
1: Ooh, I am definitely excited to graduate. Uh, you know, that puts me in January 2024. So I'm very excited for the election year um, and, you know, getting back on the ground for, you know, civic engagement work. So I'm definitely looking forward to that post-grad. <laughs>
0: I love that your answer is already like, yeah, I'm ready to hit the ground and start getting some voters out to the polls.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, I've had the pleasure of talking to some of your peers for this season. And that seems to be a really common thread of just that y'all are so passionate and focused on getting out the vote and getting out there and making sure that your peers are registered and things are, are going in that direction. So like, as a young person who I'm sure has so much that you're juggling in your life, what... Why is that? What drives you? What motivates you to be so passionate about civic engagement at such a young age?
1: Yeah, so uh, in college I thankfully had the opportunity to get involved in a few of the programs here at USF. One of them being the Leo T McCarthy Center's uh, S- uh, Center for uh, Service and the Common Good, Public Service and the Common Good. Uh, And, you know, through that, I've become more civically active and helping engage with other students. Um, At the same time, I'm very fortunate to, you know, have a minor in advertising and really put the, you know, the two together in politics and advertising to, you know, get other people civically engaged and, you know, really become at the forefront of, you know, the movement work. Also, it gets me, you know, like super passionate is, you know, seeing, people like me, people of my representation get elected into positions and really be at that table. Uh, this past uh, midterm year in 2022, I have the pleasure of organizing with one of my mentors. Her name is Jocelyn Yao, uh, who was uh, one of the youngest uh, mayors to be elected uh, into the position here in California. And, you know, at the same time, she also is part of the AAPI or the Asian American Pacific Islander community. And so uh, being Filipino myself, seeing someone uh, of my background being in those positions really gets me motivated and passionate to keep organizing and getting people like me to get to the polls so we can elect those people to be, you know, the representative for us. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, representation really matters. You know, I'm personally tired of having old white cisgender straight <laughs> decisions for me and my body and my family. So I hear you and I see you. Um, that would absolutely motivate me too if I if I had the example whenever I was you know younger of somebody who represented me and my community a bit more. I think that I would also feel very motivated to make sure that kept happening.
1: Uh, I definitely echo that, Uh, you know, when I come in Southern California, the Riverside area. And uh, right now, other than uh, the person that we just helped reelect, our council is made up with uh, older white cisgendered men. And so, um, you know, having that one person on our council is just, you know, great to see. But, you know, it definitely is a point that we need to keep working to get all of those positions filled with, you know, diverse people, diverse backgrounds. So I definitely echo what you just said.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, like you're, you're on the podcast, the Live Legacy podcast um, with the Andrew Goodman Foundation. And so obviously the story of Andrew Goodman is integral to what we're doing here. And I know that as I've talked to young people who have you know, made time to be on the podcast, I've asked each of them the same question of, you know, do you remember the the first time you heard the story of Andrew Goodman um, and how his story impacted you? Just because, like, I I love just anchoring, you know, everything that we're doing in in this story of, um, you know, a Black Jewish coalition, one that was aimed and centered at getting Black people registered to vote, especially in the South. Um, Those are all things that drew me to this organization. And those are all things that I think are still incredibly relevant today. Um, And I just, I think it's interesting to have conversations with young people who are still maybe like resonating with this story. So I guess like what's, what's your perspective and how, how is his story impacting you today?
1: Yeah. So I actually do remember pretty well the first time I uh, heard Andrew Goodman's story, uh, it was my first semester of college, so uh, a few years ago, it was uh, 2020, and so, you know, a lot of things were happening during that time, and, you know, uh, hearing his story and being in the middle of the pandemic, where we were still mostly in lockdown, you know, I it was inspiring to hear his story and, you know, how he continued to fight and, you know, organize, um, and so... I I am inspired and his story impacted me in such a way that I have continued to be a part of the organizations. Um I'm sure many other college students know how easy it is to, you know, pick something up at the beginning of the semester but you know when the going gets tough and we're through midterms and finals it's, you know, not as easy to be a part and, you know, be civically engaged. And so I am very thankful that his story and just the entire Andrew Goodman foundation, but also uh, the McCarthy centers, uh, you know, programs here at USF have really pushed me to continue to be involved in, you know, the way that I am today and, you know, looking forward to graduating, I'm still happy to be involved, uh, you know, all these years later. And so, um, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think it's just like, it's cool to to hear what, I guess, what's motivating young folks and to, to know that Andrew Goodman's story is still a part of that. I think it's just really cool. Um, and I just want to keep making sure that people are aware of his story in the first place and in the power that it still has in, the, in, in his legacy. So I appreciate you sharing about that. You know, you had mentioned, um, it's, it's one thing to kind of sign up for something at the beginning of the semester. It's another thing to kind of skip through during difficult times. And I know this wasn't something that like I sent over to you ahead of time. So if you need a few minutes to think through it, please take your time. But also I know that other young people who are organizing on their college campuses and beyond are going to listen to this podcast. So, I mean, could you think of a a few examples of what your team at USF has been doing to get out the vote or to make a difference like on your campus in terms of civic engagement and, if there have been certain like challenges or barriers that have
1: come up, how have y'all faced those? Yeah, it's definitely an ongoing conversation that we continue to have, uh, you know, as ambassadors, both on campus, but even, you know, with uh, Carolyn, you know, AGF. And so um, I definitely one of the most, I definitely think one of the most uh, successful events that uh, we've had that, you know, really puts in perspective, like, organizing on campus but fusing it with you know community organizing outside of campuses um is the idea of door-to-door knocking or canvassing you know really coming to the people and so you know during last semester one of the things we were able to do was uh we called it a dorm storm and so we were able to go you know into the dorms and you know partner with our student housing you know to set up tables like where people live and so you know it It was definitely one of our more successful events, and I think that was a great way of getting involved because, uh, you know, people living in dorms have to go out, you know, in and out all the time. And so, um, you know, we're hitting more people than we just would at the cafeteria, you know, somewhere else, another organizing space. And so we're very fortunate that we were able to kind of fuse that community organizing, you know, here on campus um, it's still a challenge, you know. USF is uh, a medium-sized campus, where um, more or less, somewhat of a commuter campus. So it's you know hard to connect uh, with some students that are commuting into campus, staying for class, and then just leaving after, and getting those people involved. Um, you know, it's been kind of difficult to organize online and, you know, grow our following count, grow our Instagram, all of those things that, you know, every club on campus, that every campus is trying to do. And so, you know, it's something that we're still working through. Um, We're constantly in conversations with our IT department um, here on campus, you know, trying to get, especially during elections, like a registration button up on our, you know, student websites or like a banner on Canvas, our learning software, you know, that people uh, use for classes and stuff and getting a banner on that, you know, so people have the easy access to get registered and, you know, being able to uh, connect with people that way, both on and off campus. And so, you know, trying to find that in between is definitely difficult.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, You know, that's a conversation that's kind of come up a couple of times on this season of the podcast is utilizing like social media and digital platforms, um, the pros and cons of each of them and how teams are kind of like facing those things. I know that USF, I, I think, has a really active and cool profile on Instagram. And I enjoy like
1: interacting with. Did you run that? Like, who's running? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm one of a few that uh, that uh, maintain the page, but thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's just you and I just probably chatting back and forth.
1: <laughs>
0: but um, yeah, I know I know that it's there's been like a handful of things that you know people have said that are like they're really frustrating about a, a digital experience of trying to engage with folks, but also understanding um like the usefulness of it so um it sounds like that's kind of the standard thing across the board which as somebody who has been a digital organizer and has been working in the digital space for quite some time i can absolutely relate to that um so it was cool to hear some some in person tactics i know that you know the, the purpose and the reason behind that question was if there was anything that you could pass along to other students or um community members that they could try i think that's a really effective way to kind of spread some tactics and um, of things that may or may not have worked. So I appreciate you answering that question. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the heart of this season of the podcast, what I'm really trying to get to, um, what I really want to uncover is what is, wh- like, what do you, why do you think that young people are showing up in such record numbers right now? I mean, we've not only once, twice, but like we're on like a nice little street here. of have seen um, your generation showing up in like just incredible amounts so why do you think that is like what you know i have heard in all of like the podcasts and interviews and things that i listen to what this older generation thinks is motivating young people um i want to know if that's true like what are you and your friends talking about why are you doing this work Like what is getting you up in the morning and thinking about this is why I want to go and vote. This is why I'm going to have my friends come with me to go and vote. Or we're going to organize on our campus to go and get other people to vote. What is some of the issues or some of the reasons that y'all are really doing the dang thing for bad, You know, lack of a better word? But like what's, what's motivating you?
1: Yeah. I The first thing that comes to mind is it's hard not to care. It's in our hometowns. You know, it's in our schools, everything going on around us, it's really hard not to care. The way in which, you know, the systems around us have been built and constantly fail, you know, people of color, queer women, uh, folk, queer folk, and all other, you know, marginalized communities. It's a constant reminder of why we need to be civically engaged and getting people to vote and, you know, getting people in those positions of power that come from our backgrounds. Um, I wanna be cognizant of, you know, when we're uh, recording this, you know, this past weekend in Monterey Park in California, we had, you you know, a shooting that, you know, has affected our AAPI community. And, you know, as a Filipino student, as a queer person, you know, I'm constantly flooded with these reminders that, you know, someone from my identity is constantly under threat. And so I think that is a big push factor and getting people out to vote and becoming more civically engaged, um, you know, it's just so hard not to care about you know what's going on in society and how it's constantly failing us. But also, what we can do better, you know, I'm so hopeful that you know the generation around us continues to organize. And you know, even after these tragic events, I'm seeing people of my age, you know, come to the streets or on social media and all of these different things you know more than ever i think it's you know definitely a change and so you know it's hard not to care but it's a good thing that we do
0: yeah that's i'm glad that you mentioned that and i love i love that that phrasing that you use that it's hard not to care um i don't i just i don't think politics is just this like neat box that you can like pick up and interact with when you want to and then put it back i think that it affects our personal lives On a day, like literally on a daily basis. Um, You know, one of those issues that affects both you and I, which I'm so happy to have you on the show so we can talk about this, is LGBTQ rights. Um, This is a huge thing that affects both of us, but it, it affects my family, it affects my friends, I'm sure it affects yours as well. But, you know, last year we saw over 300 anti LGBTQ bills introduced across 36 states, which is absolutely awful. And this year alone, there's already been over 90 anti-LGBTQ bills already introduced this year. It's not even the end of January. And a lot of those are aimed at young trans people and mm-hmm. ironically drag shows. Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know, is it happening there? But it's to me, it feels like you just said, it's hard not to care because these these pieces of legislation aren't just something that's like a culture war thing that we get to debate about. These are things that are affecting us. They're affecting my life. They're affecting your life. So, I mean, what kind of conversations are you having um, in your life right now about these, these bills and about this legislation with your friends or with people in general? Um, And how much of a motivating factor is this for you?
1: It definitely is a very motivating factor. I first want to center myself. I'm very fortunate to live in you know San Francisco and in the Bay Area, you know where I don't have to you know be under constant threat like I would you know in other parts of the country, and so I'm very thankful for that. But I it's a constant reminder of the ripples that I can create here, but also the ripples that are created in you know other parts of the country, especially you know like the big news. Um, you know, stories that are coming out of Florida about the different legislation there. And so I I think it's important to recognize as someone in San Francisco, the ripples that I can help create, not just here, but across the country, because, you know, I don't like to think of politics or elections or cycles as something as like a big wave that's going to be coming through. I think it's important to think of things as ripples. You know, the create the change that we can create just both here in our current communities and where we are, you know, live, but also like uh what we can do with, with the power and tools of social media, with the power and tools to, you know, be here but act uh, know, have this conversation with you or be a part of, you know, the Andrew Goodman Foundation to do work across the country. I think that, um, constantly engaging, organizing, and showing up day in and day out, not just at the ballot box, even though that is so, 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 so vital. Um, our communities showing up for them beyond the ballot box excites me. And so, you know, as an, as a person that is a part of the LGBTQ plus community, you know here in San Francisco, I do very much uh, want to position myself as someone that is very thankful to you know live you know somewhere here, but you know I'm not disconnected from you know the rest of my community across the nation and so um now more than ever we're you know as connected and you know we've talked several times about just social media and seeing it on the news and this constant you know uh feedback cycle um you know, that connection is also a good thing because I'm able to connect and, you know, uh, organize, you know, beyond just where I am right now and, you know, hopefully uplift people across the nation, um, you know, to be in positions of power so that we can, uh, you know, lift up our community all together. And so, um, yeah, it's really those little ripples, those constant ripples that can create change. And so. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And i You know, the heart of asking a question like that is just to show that, you know, I, I love that you're aware of, like, some levels of privilege based on, like, where you live. But to hear your heart, basically, I mean, correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but basically you're like, it shouldn't, folks, it shouldn't matter, like, your zip code or where you're living, that you should have, like protections. And and I, you're recognizing that you have that and you're still organizing for folks who don't. Um, Correct. And to hear that, you know, at such a young, young age that you understand that and not only understand it, but are like actively doing stuff to create the future that we deserve as queer people um, in this country. I think that that's just really cool. I just, I wanted to highlight that and make sure that people who might be listening to this, who do live in places where uh, your legislators are trying to legislate you out of existence like you're not alone there are people here at least two who are fighting for you and with you um and we're not we're not going to give up so yes. thank you for yeah. taking the time to answer that question
1: i definitely um want to let those people know that who might be listening is uh a big virtual hug is coming your way right now for me and so yeah
0: <laughs> ditto two hugs <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes well um you know again the one of the purposes of this season is to really kind of like drive home this idea of like the power of the youth vote and there might be some folks who have some misconceptions or misperceptions or however you want to frame it of um young voters so if if there's you know if there's a message that you'd like to convey to older generations who might be listening to this podcast right now what, what do you want them to know about
1: young voters yeah, when you when you first gave me this question, it was hard for me not to think about uh you know, my family, my parents and you know, just the immigrant generations that have come into this country um you know, coming from countries where speaking out against the government or um you know, be- becoming politically involved were you know, not viable means, you know that um I just remember growing up, you know, my parents not wanting me to be like completely politically active or, you know, not speak out against the government. And so, you know, when I'm thinking about older generations, I'm thinking of the immigrant communities that are still afraid, you know, that, you know, both us and them speaking up for our rights and, you know, organizing actually being on the streets and being visible and proud for what we stand for um, is scary to them. And so, Something that I want them to know is that you know it's okay, we will be okay. I think there's a lot of hope that I hold um you know in the solidarity that you know people around me and just you know the love and the revolution that you know we all you know contain um, that you know we'll be okay, and it's okay to you know have these big, big ideas of you know uprooting the system um And that's what's hopeful. And so, something that I, you know, want older generations listening to this podcast to know is, you know, that this fight is going to continue to go on, and um, we're proud to be here. Yes,
0: I'm proud to be doing this alongside of you. And um, I think it's just important to get out a new narrative um, around young voters because there's just been so there's just been so many silly things and untrue things said. So I appreciate, you know, being able to just like chat through that a little bit. And I know that you just had mentioned um, some things that were giving you hope. And even in our, our short time together today, we've talked about, you know, some heavy stuff. Um, there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that it's just really easy to give up hope, I think, or to um, lose sight of of things that could be uplifting. And so I love to just finish every podcast. I've been doing this, um, for, you know, every episode I've recorded now for almost two seasons. It's just like, what is giving you hope right now? What's bringing you life? What is something that we can spread a little joy? Um, even if it's just for a few minutes or so on a podcast, but what's, Josh, what's bringing you joy right now?
1: (laughs) Well, don't get me wrong, but, uh, it is hard sometimes to, you, know, be hopeful, and I think especially when we're in you know the grunt of things, and you know, these uh, events keep happening on the news that are broadcasted, you know, that are horrible and horrific. Um, it's really hard. Um, but no matter what, I think that the community that we build with one another, this community that we're building right now, um, it does not falter. Last semester, I was touring um, a Filipino historical site here in San Francisco called the I-Hotel. Um, and it's a center of community activism during the 1960s for tenants' rights for our uh, Filipino veterans uh, here in San Francisco that were being pushed out uh, due to gentrification and redevelopment. Um, and a few of those activists were actually still living in the rebuilt hotel that uh, you know, is now standing here in the city. Um, and I had the honor and the opportunity, um, you know, when I really needed it mid-semester, um, to ask them how they had hope, you know, that they see us still fighting, protesting and mobilizing out on the very streets that they were doing, you know, 40 years ago. Um, and, you know, I was losing hope that things don't seem to change. And so, um, you know, they, they told me that, It's the community that keeps them there. It's the community that has them, you know, still living in San Francisco, even though it's so hard to be here. Um, It's a community that we build together. And that's what keeps me hopeful to be still connected to those people, to have those conversations with them, to, you know, even though we're organizing, we're sharing smiles, we're sharing laughs, we're breaking food and bread together and, you know, that's what keeps me hopeful is that there are people both that, uh, you know, have built people like me up, but, um, you know, people that I am also hopefully building up that will, you know, come into the next generation ready to do this work too.
0: I love that. I love intergenerational community building so much. Um, (laughs) That is so great. And, I feel like, man, I could just talk to you forever. This has been such a lovely and beautiful conversation um, that I'm a little sad is coming to a close. But before it does, is there any shout outs you want to give? Um, any <laughs> media handles you want people to follow? It's just basically any last minute things or information that you want our listeners to hear.
1: Yeah, well, firstly, thank you for the invite. It's been an honor to speak here today and you know share a little bit about my story. Um, I did want to thank USF, the Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good here at USF. Uh, A special thank you to a few people in that organization, Angie Vong, uh, Jackie Ramos, David Holler, and uh, outside of the organization, Jocelyn Yao, uh, who are many of the mentors that have continued to keep the fire in my heart to joyfully keep doing this work um, and being civically active. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, my handle is at Joshua A. Samuel uh, or follow us on Instagram at USF um, We're always organizing on there. So thank you.
0: <laughs> As always, I'll drop those handles in the show notes for today's episode. But thank you so much for joining me today, Josh. And I hope that you... Um, continue to find hope in moments where you can find hope and rest in moments where you can find rest and keep up the good work. Okay.
1: Yes. Thank you. Onward and upward.
0: (laughs) This concludes this week's episode of live the legacy podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, help spread the word, share on social media, tell your friends about it, leave a review, subscribe, or rate us. A special shout out to Tobeek Music for all of the music that you heard on today's episode. Once again, this has been your host, Mo Banks. Thanks so much for listening.